Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Tesla's fourth quarter 2023 Q&A webcast. My name is Martin Vieca, VP of Investor Relations, and I'm joined today by Elon Musk, Bebafta Nature and a number of other executives. Our Q4 results were announced at about 3 p.m. Central Time in the update deck we published at the same link as this webcast. During this call, we will discuss our business outlook and make forward-looking statements. These comments are based on our predictions and expectations as of today. Actual events or results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt, a show about electric vehicles, autonomous driving, renewable energy, and much, much more. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host for today's episode. And you might have noticed by now that this is going to be a Tesla Q3 2023 earnings call, no, Q4 2023 earnings call, and not a news episode like we talked about on Tuesday. And the reason why is because January snuck up on me and I did not realize we were this close to earnings calls. So today we're going to do the earnings call either on Sunday night or Monday morning. We'll do news on Sunday, probably a little bit of news on Wednesday and news or an earnings call on Friday and peppered in there. We have some content from Allison and Steve Sheridan when they're at CES that I still need to get out and release to you. So, so yeah, lots going on, but this is going to be a long episode. So let's go ahead and dig in to Elon's opening remarks. Elon, take it over. Uh, thank you. You are very welcome. So the, the Tesla team did an incredible job in 2023. Uh, we achieved uh, record production and deliveries of over 1.8 million vehicles uh, in line with our official guidance. Um, and in Q4, we're producing vehicles and annualized run rate of almost uh, 2 million cars a year. Uh, this was really a phenomenal achievement. Uh, looking at just the, the, the Fremont factory alone, we made 560,000 cars. Uh, this is a record. In fact, it's the highest output of automotive plant in North America. Um, and people are often surprised that the, the highest output uh, factory, car factory in North America is... Uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's a little counterintuitive, perhaps, um, and the it, it's really had a, an incredibly positive impact on that entire area. Um, what would have been a rundown strip mall is the highest productivity car plant in 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 the in the Americas. Think about that. It, it was derelict when we when we got it, and now it's the most productive plant um, in in this in this entire part of the world. Um, and it's enriched the community in, in so many different ways. Um, it's uh, it's really a gem. So um, I'm super proud of the people that work there. Model Y became the, the best-selling vehicle globally, uh, as predicted. Um, the best-selling vehicle of any kind, not just electric vehicles, uh, with over 1.2 million units delivered. The energy storage business uh, delivered nearly... 15 gigawatt hours of batteries in 2023 compared to six and a half gigawatt hours the year before. So um, tremendous year-over-year growth, triple digits. Um, and um, yeah, I think we'll continue to continue to see very strong growth uh, in, in uh, storage. As, as predicted, I, I said for many years that the storage business would grow much faster than the car business and 
it is doing that. Uh, free cash flow remains strong at 4.4 billion in 2023 in spite of uh, record spending on future projects. Uh, so we had record CapEx expenses as well as record R&D. Uh, this brings us to 2024. There's a lot to look forward to in 2024. Uh, Tesla is currently between two major growth waves. We're focused on making sure that our next growth wave, driven by next-gen vehicle, energy storage, full self-driving, and other projects, is executed as well as possible. Uh, for full self-driving, we've released version 12, which is a complete uh, architectural rewrite compared to prior versions. This is end-to-end uh, -end, uh, artificial intelligence. So another bit nets, basically photons in and controls out. And um, it, it, it really is uh, quite a profound difference. Um, this is currently just with employees and a, and a few customers, but we will be rolling out to um, all who, all, all those, all, all customers in, in the U.S. who request uh, full self-driving in the weeks to come. Uh, that's uh, over 400,000 vehicles in North America. So, this is the first time AI is being used not just for object perception, but for path planning and vehicle controls. Um, we replaced 330,000 lines of C++ code with neural nets. Um, it's really quite remarkable. Um, it, sort of as, as a side note, I, I think Tesla is probably, probably the most efficient company uh, in the world for AI inference. Out of necessity, we've, we've actually had to be extremely good um, at getting the most out of hardware, because hardware three at this point is um, several years old. Um, so I don't. I, I think we're we're quite far ahead of any other company in the world um, in terms of um, AI inference efficiency, which is going to be a very important metric in the future and in many arenas. So, um, see the the new Model Three is now available globally. So we, we did an updated Model 3. Uh, while the car looks similar, a lot of work has gone into the vehicle to make it better in every way. Um, it is significantly quieter, more refined, better equipped, has longer range, and many other improvements. And I recommend uh, taking it for a test drive. If you have not driven a Model 3 in a long time, uh, you should really try the new one. So steady improvements. And we're very far along on our next generation low-cost vehicle. Uh, this is an earnings call, not a product announcement. <laughs> so there'll no doubt be many questions that try to ask us about new product, uh, new products coming. But but we reserve product announcements for product announcements, not earning calls. So, but it, but we're very excited about this, and this is really going to be profound, uh, not just in its design of, of the vehicle itself, but in the design of the manufacturing system. This is a revolutionary manufacturing system, significant. You know, far more advanced than any other automotive manufacturing system in the world, like by by a significant margin. Um, several years ago, I said the 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 uh, perhaps the most important ca competitive characteristic of Tesla in the future will be manufacturing technology, and you will really see that come to bear with our next gen vehicle. Uh, the first manufacturing location for this will be at our Gigafactory and headquarters in. Uh, Austin, Texas, and then we'll follow that up with other locations around the world. Probably our uh, the factory we'll build in Mexico will be second, and then we'll be looking to identify a third location, perhaps by the end of this year or early next, um, outside of North America. So, uh, in conclusion, we had a great year with record production, record deliveries, and a strong free cash flow, uh, in spite of a very high interest rate environment. Um, and we are focused on exciting new projects that will, uh, I think, ultimately, um, if we execute on all these things, and it is very hard to do all these things, it's not a, not a sure thing, but I, I do see a path um, where, where Tesla could one day be uh, the most valuable company in the world. Um, I, would, I do want to emphasize that is not an easy path and a very difficult one, but it is now in the set of possible outcomes. And previously, I would not have thought it is in the set of possible outcomes. So, um, and uh, thank you again to all of our investors, our employees, and our suppliers for a strong year. And looking forward to a great 2024 and years to come.
Let's start off with a big congratulations to the Tesla team for producing and delivering nearly 2 million cars in 2023. That's amazing. Elon gave a very short recap of 2023, nothing to write home about. And then we got a little bit more information about what to look forward to in 2024. The first next generation vehicle will be built in Austin, Texas with a release date sometime in 2025. I uh, mentioned energy storage. Uh, this sounds like the storage business is doing well, triple digits growth. Elon mentioned that the storage business would actually grow faster than the vehicle business. And that makes sense that it will it will do that. It will grow uh, faster. But then when it matures, we'll see where that, you know, where the energy business lies compared to the actual vehicle business that Tesla is known for today. We'll We'll see. Tesla's vehicle business is already pretty mature and their storage business is still ramping up. So that growth uh, percentage is going to be quite high for the energy storage business, even though it's probably not a major percentage of Tesla's overall income. Let's see, moving on to FSD 12. He mentioned that version 12 was released to some customers and employees in the coming weeks. 400,000 full self-driving beta testers will get access to version 12 so in North America. So that's pretty great. But this whole thing got me wondering, can I figure out what the take rate is? You know, actually people who are paying for full self-driving, not the people that are paying the $199 a month, but people who are paying for the full self-driving uh, package all up front when they buy their cars. Can I figure that out? It turns out I can't. But I still thought the numbers were interesting, so I'm just going to go ahead and rattle those off to you. And I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say that Tesla isn't including any hardware too in that 400,000-ish number. He says it's over 400,000. But I think I'm making a safe assumption in saying that it's going to be hardware 3 or hardware 4 enabled vehicles. So Hardware 3 was released in March of 2019. From 2019 to 2023, Tesla sold right around 1.8 million vehicles in all of North America. In April of 2019, full self-driving cost $5,000. And then the price continued to jump pretty quick here. So in April of 2019, we're looking at $5,000. By July of 2020, just a little bit more than a year later, we're looking at $8,000, $3,000 jump. And then October of 2020, we're looking at $10,000. And by the time we hit September of 2022, we have hit $15,000 for full self-driving. And then Tesla, right around September of 2023, dropped the price for full self-driving down to $12,000, which is more, more affordable for sure, but still isn't affordable uh, to most people. As I was going through these numbers, I abandoned my initial plan of trying to figure out the take rate because, honestly, I don't know how many of these people are subscribing for $199 a month versus who actually paid what I became more curious about is how many people signed up for this in 2018 and 2019 when full self-driving was an actual promise that, hey, this is going to be here in the time frame that you owned your car versus, you know, 2020, where people are starting to realize maybe this isn't coming to our cars while we own it. And then 2021, it was like uh, more people started, including me in this whole process, started thinking, uh, I don't think this is coming when he says it's coming. Uh, but the price keeps rising. Like we don't actually have a working version of full self-driving working at the level that it was promised. How many of those people are, are going to spend twelve or $15,000? My extremely uneducated guess here is that people right around 2017, 2018, we'll, we'll, we'll leave out 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020, those folks probably laid out the money for full self-driving because, yeah, 
between five and eight thousand dollars is a lot of money. But it's something if 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 full self driving was real, it would be something that was definitely worth the money. Uh, getting you know moving on down the the road. <laughs> Uh, to uh, 2021-2023, I think the more people are like, you know what, that's a lot of money and I'm not interested in spending that much money for a feature that may or may not get here while I own my car. But I am genuinely interested to see how full self-driving version 12 does when it rolls out to customers. And I realize that some customers do currently have it, but those customers tend to be people who own stock in Tesla and are, you know, huge fan uh, boys, for lack of a better word, and I don't know they're. I, I don't know that they're completely unbiased. I find what they have to say about FSD twelve fascinating, but I don't really look to them for factual information. Like some, I'm not saying they're lying. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'll wait for a more unbiased opinion. All right, let's move on to Vibehub Tenasia's. Hopefully I said your name right. I'm so sorry if I didn't. I practiced. I don't think it made it any better. Five Hove is Tesla's new CFO. So let's listen to his opening remarks. As Elon mentioned, we had a record year in terms of both production and deliveries for our auto business, as well as record deployments in our energy business. This was achieved despite 2023 being a challenging year in terms of higher interest rates and higher inflation. Big thanks to our customer for being with us through this challenging period. I would also like to thank the whole Tesla team for their resolve and dedication throughout. In terms of 2023 financials, we ended the year with over 96 billion of revenue and generated 4.4 billion of free cash flow to end the year with over 29 billion of cash and investments on hand. Our 2023 Cap net income was impacted by the recognition of one-time non-cash benefit of 5.9 billion from the release of valuation allowance on certain different tax assets. This was due to our recent history of sustained profitability and is similar to several other companies who have recently gone through a similar change in their accounting. Accordingly, starting with Q1, our book tax rate will now be more in line with other companies in the S&P 500. In our vehicle business, we continue to see improvements in our per unit cost, despite us being in the early phase of Cybertruck ramp. As a result, our autogross margin improved sequentially. That said, predicting autogross margins is extremely challenging since there are many moving parts to this equation, some of which are out of our control, like the change in tariffs or local incentives, to name a few. While the teams are focused on cost reductions, we are approaching the limits within our current platforms. On the demand front, as promised, we made investments in digital campaigns in 2023. We fully appreciate the importance of customer education as we are still in the customer acquisition phase. Our data suggests that around 90% of our vehicle buyers in 2023 never owned a Tesla before. We are being creative in figuring out ways to bring in new customers and educate them about the benefits of owning a Tesla versus gas-powered vehicles. The key among them being total cost of ownership. This concept is mostly overlooked for just the upfront cost. We will be rigorous in evaluating our campaigns, curating the content, and optimizing spend accordingly to support the overall demand. There are two additional things I would like to mention as it relates to the US market. First, for customers who qualify for the IRA buyer credit, we now offer that as a point of sale benefit for Model Y, which means an immediate reduction of 7,500 at the time of purchase to the end customer. Secondly, we continue to offer very attractive lease rates for Model 3 and Y using our partner leasing program. Note that the sales under this program are recognized as upfront revenue and reported within automotive sales. Our energy storage business had another record year with deployments more than doubling and revenues increasing by more than 50%. This business is poised to again surpass our auto business in terms of growth rate in 2024. This has been in the works for quite some time with us laying the foundation a few years back by building our mega factory in Lathrop. I would like to thank the whole Tesla Energy team for their efforts to make this a reality. Our services and other business also started contributing meaningfully to our results and our fleets as our fleet goes. As we expect the fleet-based revenues from supercharging 
used cars and services to continue to increase. For 2024, our focus is to continue growing our output, continuing our cost reduction efforts, and increasing investments in our future growth initiatives. Accordingly, we are currently expecting our capital expenditure for 2024 to be in excess of 10 billion. We believe this would be critical in helping us lay the foundation for the next phase of the growth. Once again, I would like to thank everybody at Tesla, our investors, and our suppliers for being with us in this journey. Before I get into the CFO's remarks, I do want to say normally I'll edit down Elon's opening remarks and the CFO's opening remarks because they get to be very wordy. I didn't do that this time. Elon's opening remarks were around five minutes and the CEO's opening remarks were right around four minutes. So not not too shabby. The benefit that we have here is that we're going to get more opportunities for questions from analysts and investors. So we always learn more with those questions than we do with the opening remarks, although Tesla's opening remarks tend to be better than most automakers. So I just wanted to put that out there before we get too far into this. Okay, so I don't have much to say about what we just heard. I I feel like, and I haven't listened to this earnings call yet, but I feel like we're going to hear a lot about the energy business. And I feel like we're going to hear a lot about high interest rates and inflation. Um, I could be wrong, but it just seems like that's going to be a theme. And then for some Teslas, and it sounds like the Model Y or some versions of the Model Y, you'll get that uh, Inflation Reduction Act tax credit at the point of sale. So you don't have to wait to file your taxes if you're here in the United States like I do to get that $7,500 tax credit. You'll actually get that when you buy the car. They'll just take that right off the price of the car, which I would have preferred that, to be honest with you. All right, let's get into our investor questions. And the first one, I'm not going to play for you. I'm just going to give you the highlights because uh, it's <laughs> it's just easier that way. The question was about the next-gen Tesla vehicle. And since it's going to be built in Austin first instead of Mexico, will that end up being, will that speed up timelines, basically, for the car to come out? And Elon's answer was kind of like, Yes, but kind of no. They expect production to start on that vehicle sometime at the end of 2025. And they wanted to have it in Austin because there's revolutionary new technology when it comes to manufacturing and what's actually in the vehicle. And they wanted to make sure that their engineers were close enough. Elon said living on the lines, which I do not think is a good way to go about uh, talking about or treating your employees. Uh, we've, we... <laughs> We know that Elon likes to sleep on the line and uh, or get very little sleep and berate his employees. So, um, but basically, he wants engineers there to fix problems as they uh, as they come up. And having somebody uh, based in Texas or California and flying to Mexico is probably not the the best way to do that. So at least people can be in some sort of home-like atmosphere if they're in Austin so that they can rest and recoup and let their brains um, recover. And hopefully, you know, we, we, we wish for good mental health when it comes to this next-gen vehicle. Elon also said he doesn't have a production rate or production number when they first start uh, building these cars like he's not sure how many they'll get out in 2025 next up we're going to hear about production delays or hurdles when it comes to the 4680 battery cells what has been the barrier to ramping 4680 cells into mil multi-million uh, cells per week uh, rate and when do you expect to get there yeah first i just want to allay any concerns regarding 4680 limiting the cybertruck ramp because i've seen some people commenting about that. To date, 4680 production is ahead of the ramp uh, with actually weeks of finished cell inventory. And the goal is to keep it that way, not only for cyber, but for our, our future vehicle programs. And as Elon said, it is an S-curve here too. Like it's it's hard to to predict these things, but the, I'm just describing our goals. Um, it, it's a hard problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, there are entire companies where all they do is make battery cells. That's like the, all they do. Indeed, okay. <laughs> indeed. We do a lot of other things. Um, and and we've got a lot of we've got a lot of you know um, breakthrough technologies, um, 
that, that take time to figure out with 46. It's not just that it's a 46 millimeter diameter by 80 millimeter coal cell. That, that's just the diameter. That's just the dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of new technology in the cell itself. And manufacturing technology. And, yes, exactly. Um, and just regarding what the team was able to do in Q4, uh, Texas successfully swapped line one from the model wide design of the cell to the Cybertruck design of the cell, which was the 10% cell energy increase I've mentioned before. And as with any major new product introduction, the factory and engineering teams collaborated to ensure quality of the new design and the process changes as their first priority. And now our focus returns to cost and production ramp in Q1. Um, And uh, in terms of what we're doing, we're currently running one production line, one assembly line, uh, using two assembly lines in addition for yield and rate improvement trials. And we have a fourth in commissioning. And four more will be installed uh, starting in Q3 this year. So definitely, this is a, a big year for ramping 4016. Uh, we also do want to emphasize that we can we also expect to ramp orders from our suppliers. Yep. So this is not about replacing our suppliers; it's about supplementing our suppliers. Yes. Um, so we um, are very appreciative of, uh, of our suppliers. Uh, you know, Panasonic obviously is our, our longest uh, supplier. They're an amazing company. Um, you know, we've, we, uh, we've got um, CATL, we've got uh, LG, and, and BYD. The next question has to do with Elon not being comfortable with Tesla furthering their AI efforts unless he owns 25% of the company. Now, I'm going to do something here that I wouldn't normally do, and I am going to play the clip in its entirety. Normally, I would cut out the pauses, but I'm not going to do that because Martin asks the question, And then it seems like somebody might have hit mute and there's a long pause. And then he asked the question again. And then Elon answers the question after another long pause. And I'm leaving this in here so you can make your own opinions. I have my thoughts on why Elon is doing this. I'm going to let you listen to the clip, make your own opinion, and then I'll share my thoughts on the other side. I want you to listen to two things here early on in the clip. You'll hear Martin asking the question and then he goes silent. Right before he goes silent, there's a there's like a little click sound and then you don't hear him for a portion. And then he comes back in or, or the audio comes back in and you hear laughing in the background and it sounds like Elon laughing. Uh, the next question is from Adam. Uh, should retail shareholders be concerned that Elon has stayed Uh, should retail shareholders be concerned that Elon has stated that he's uncomfortable expanding AI and robotics at Tesla if he doesn't have 25% of voting? Yeah, I guess let me explain why what, what my, my concern is here, which is that, um, you know, I, I, I see a path to creating um, an artificial intelligence and robotics juggernaut of truly immense uh, capability and power. Um, and my concern would be, I don't want to control it, but if I have so little influence uh, over the company at that stage that um, I could sort of be voted out by some sort of random shareholder advisory firm, um, you know, we've had a lot of challenges with uh, institutional shareholder services, uh, ISS, I call them ISIS, um, <laughs> um, and Glass-Lewis. Uh, you know, which, which there's a lot of activists that basically infiltrate those organizations and have, you know, strange ideas about what should be done. So, um, you know, so I want, I want to have an, enough to be influential. I, like if we could do a dual, dual class stock, that would be ideal. I'm not looking for additional economics. Um, I just want to be an effective steward of very powerful technology. Um, and, um, the reason I just sort of roughly picked approximately 25% was that that that's that's not so much that I can con- control the company, even if I go bonkers. Um, and if I'm like mad, they, they can throw me out. But I, but it's enough that uh, I have a strong influence. That's what that's what I'm aiming for is a strong influence, but not control. Um, there's some way to achieve that. That would be great. So let's address the technical issue first. If this was really just a technical issue no big deal, right? But if this was somebody playing a joke or thinking that they're funny, um, especially when it comes to this topic, 
anything that Elon said, and again, I'm speculating, but anything that Elon said, which I thought was fairly reasonable in his answer, kind of gets shot out the window. And another thing that kind of shoots his um, reasoning out the window is that he calls, you know, activist shareholders ISIS, which is a terrorist organization. And that's obviously meant as a slight, which is just childish behavior. They're your shareholders. Whether you like them or you don't like them, you gave them access to buy shares in your company. So whatever you think about them, keep that to yourself. You don't have to share that on an earnings call where they're almost certainly listening. And if you do get 25% of the company back, uh, there's a really high chance, and I mean very high, that they will sue the company (laughs) and try to get those taken away. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I do not believe that Elon is doing this for a for money. He doesn't need money. He hasn't really demonstrated that he cares all that much about money in terms of his actions. He will do things that actively cost him money, and he's fine with it because he has plenty of money. I, he, I, I do believe he's doing this because he wants to be in control. Whether the reasons he wants to be in control are valid or not valid. I'm not here to debate that. I I tend to believe that he is worried about AI. However, I also believe that he has a savior complex where he thinks he's the only person that can save the planet, which is not true. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll just stop there as far as that goes. I will say that I am not a huge fan of investor activists that are only there to stir the pot and cause chaos and problems and then profit off of those. I am not a fan of that. However, if you are somebody who happens to have a lot of money and you don't like the way a company is going and you you have the power to buy a bunch of stock and influence that because you think it's going the wrong direction, whether I agree with your direction or not, that's different than someone just coming in causing a bunch of chaos, stirring up the stock, and then them making a bunch of money. I'm pretty sure that's illegal, but for whatever reason, people seem to be able to do it. Like Hindenburg Research can can release a whole expose on some random company about all the things that they're doing that's illegal, and I agree with that. But they also put at the very top of this little research paper that they wrote, it says, hey, we're, by the way, we're shorting this company. So they already, they dug up the dirt. They know what they write is going to be damning. They write the damning thing. They short the company. They make a bunch of money. I I, I don't think that's right either. Like you should call out corruption where there's corruption to call out, but I don't know that you should profit on it in that way because you're really profiting when other hardworking people are are failing. You're, it's I don't know if it's insider information, but it's it's it definitely feels gross and dirty to me. And before I get any emails of about me bashing on Elon, I am not an Elon basher. I don't know the man. I am critical of his public behavior sometimes, and everything I say has to, is based on his public behavior and the book that he allowed Walter Isaacson to write about him. Um, but I think I'm I'm fairly fair when it comes to who he is as a person, because I call out all the good things that he does as well. Next up, we're going to hear if there's been any progress when it comes to licensing full self-driving to other auto manufacturers. Has there been any progress made with an FSD licensing agreement with another company? You know, I, I, I really think lots of car companies should be asking for FSD licenses, but, um, and we've had, we've had some tentative conversations, but I think they don't believe it's real quite yet. Um, I think that that will become obvious probably this year. Um, and I do want to emphasize that if, if I were CEO of another car company, I would definitely be calling Tesla and asking to license, um, Tells the full self-driving technology. It's uh, definitely the smart move. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I will say that Tesla's self-driving efforts are probably a little bit ahead of some automakers and a lot ahead of a lot of automakers. Like Ford and GM probably aren't too far behind Tesla, but like I haven't really seen anything that was all that impressive from like Stellantis. And I, I haven't had an opportunity to use anything from Hyundai or Polestar, but I would I would guess that what they have is on par with autopilot, but not full self-driving. One of the things that I wonder is how Tesla is pitching this to those third-party automakers. Are they pitching it as, hey, this is going to be full self-driving like by the end of this year, like Elon said? We're going to see big improvements by the end of the year. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. We've heard that before. Is that how Tesla is pitching this service or are they pitching it as, hey, this is a really well-developed autonomous driving system and it's probably better than what you got or what you've been working on. So just use ours. Save yourself a little time and money. The other thing I'm curious about is how much Tesla is willing to charge these third-party automakers to license the technology. I'd be willing to bet it's not very cheap. There was a question about Optimus and when we can expect Optimus to be out. Elon gave a very wandering answer that didn't really answer the question so much, but it just kind of went a bunch of different places. And I'm guilty of this, so I'm not bashing him for it. But the the biggest thing that I got out of this, and let me pull up my notes here, is uh, maybe they'll ship a couple of units next year. They don't really know. They're planning on updating the public uh, soon, every couple of months. So we should get an update here pretty soon. And it does some useful things right now, but they're really trying to get it to do a bunch of useful things. They want to increase that utility before it's really viable to to sell for anything. Like they can, it can get up and it can walk around and all that stuff, but it really can't do anything that would be considered super useful at this point. So that's your Optimus update. Next up, we're going to hear about Cybertruck orders. How many Cybertruck orders are in the queue, and when do you anticipate to be able to fulfill existing orders? Um, first of all, I want to thank all the Cybertruck resident holders for their patience. Um, the, res the reservation to order conversion rate so far has been very, very encouraging. Uh, if the trend continues, as very likely to be, Um, we will soon sort out all the bills in 2024. Um, and also, you know, we have new orders come in after the launch. Um, the order numbers keep growing. So we're now all hands on deck, focused on ramping um, so we can, you know, fulfill all the demands and reduce the wait time. Yeah, it's important to emphasize that um, this is very much a production constrained situation, mm -hmm. not a demand constrained situation. Um, and we, you know, obviously, we, we, like, we could dramatically raise the price, but that that doesn't feel right to us to... <laughs> 
sort of get, get you know gauge people for uh, you know for early, early delivery. Um, so, um, but but really the demand is off the hook. Um, as long as the as long as we the the, the price is affordable. Um, I mean, I, I, I see us ultimately delivering on the order of a quarter million, something like a quarter million uh, Cybertrucks a year uh, in, in North America, but maybe more, but give or take, you know, r- roughly on that, on that uh, time frame. And um, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's, it sure is a, um, a head turner, you know. Definitely, yes. Yeah. Anywhere you go, people look at you. Yeah. They give you a thumbs up. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like finally the the future looks like the future. Yep. You know, it just it, it just that, um, you know, for for the other trucks on the road there, which and there's some very good trucks on the road. But if you were to switch out the brand name, you wouldn't hardly know who which company made them. But you definitely would know the Cybertruck. All right, there's your Cybertruck update. I don't have anything else to say about it, so let's move on to analyst questions. Uh, the next question comes from Adam Jonas from Morgan Stanley. Elon, I'd love your thoughts on the topic of China-based OEMs expanding into Western markets as that as the China market kind of gets saturated and there's a tremendous uh, growth in the supply. How much success should Tesla investors allow for this competition to achieve in Western markets? And can you envision a scenario where Tesla could, could partner with a, a Chinese OEM to help accelerate sustainable transport in markets like Europe and the United States. Thanks. Uh, well, our observation is generally that the uh, the Chinese car companies are the most competitive car companies in the world. Um, so I think they will have significant success uh, outside of China, uh, depending on what kind of tariffs or trade barriers are established. Uh, Frankly, I think if, if if there are not trade barriers established, they they will pretty much demolish most other car companies in the world. So they're they're extremely good. Um, we don't see an obvious opportunity to partner. Um, you know, certainly we're we're happy to you know, except on the the, the supercharger front, we're obviously happy to. To give uh, any electric car company access to our supercharger network. Um, we're also happy to license full self-driving, um, perhaps license other technologies, and um, you know anything that, that could be helpful in advancing the sustainable energy revolution. I wholeheartedly agree. I, uh, there are some caveats to that, in that hopefully you know China doesn't do something like invade Taiwan, for instance. That could potentially cause some problems for Chinese automakers to continue moving into Western markets. But barring anything like that, if there are no tariffs, uh, especially here in America, automakers who are making EVs uh, need to step up their game for sure. For sure. And I like to hear that Tesla is open to partnering, whether that's through licensing technology or opening up the supercharger network. I think that's uh, that's a good thing overall, not just for Chinese automakers, but for all uh, automakers. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our next question. Next question comes from Dan Levi from Barclays. Your release does not mention Dojo. So if you could just provide us an update on where Dojo stands and at what point you expect Dojo to be a resource in improving FSD, or do you think that you you now have sufficient supply of NVIDIA uh, GPUs needed for the training of the system? <clears throat> I mean, the, the AI hardware question is, that, that is a deep one. Um, so we're obviously hedging our bets here with uh, significant orders of NVIDIA uh, GPUs or GPUs are the wrong word. There really needs to be. There's no graphic. Doesn't. Doesn't. You can't like produce graphics. <laughs> so that's what sort of graphic processing unit, neural neural net processing unit, or something like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, GPU is a funny funny word, like um, vestigial. Um, so, um, and, and a lot of our progress in self driving is training limited. Um, 
something that's important with with training, it's much like a human. The, the more effort you put into training, the less effort you need in inference. So just like a, a person, if you if you train in a subject, you know, this sort of classic 10,000 hours, uh, the, the less mental effort it takes to do something. If you, if you remember when you first started to drive, how much of, of your mental capacity it took to drive, it was, you had to be focused completely on driving. Then after you've been driving for many years, uh, it, it only takes a little bit of your mind to drive and you can think about other things and still drive safely. Um, so the more training you do, the more efficient it is at the inference level. So we do need a lot of training. Um, and um, and we're, we're pursuing the dual path of NVIDIA and Dojo. Um, but I, I would you know, think of Dojo as a long shot. Um, it's a long shot worth taking because the payoff is potentially very high, uh, but it's not something that is uh, a high probability. It's not like a sure thing at all. Um, it's a high risk, high payoff uh, program. Um, but, but Dojo is working and it is it is doing training jobs. So, and we're scaling it up. And we have plans for Dojo 1.5, Dojo 2, Dojo 3, and whatnot. So, you know, I think it's it's got potential, um, but I can't emphasize enough. High risk, high payoff. So, I think this, it still makes sense given the, you know, even even if it's a low low probability of success for the very high. Yeah, I think anyway, <laughs> I'm belaboring the subject. It's it's a very interesting program. It ha it is, you know, it has the potential for for something special. Um, there's also our inference hardware in the car, so we're um, we're now on um, what's called hardware four, but it's actually version two of the Tesla designed uh, AI inference chip, um, and we're about to complete design of. So the terminology is a bit confusing. <laughs> we're about to complete design of hardware five, which is actually version three of the Tesla design chip, because the uh, version one was Mobileye, version two was NVIDIA, and then version three was was, was Tesla. So, uh, and we're making gigantic improvements with um, from one from hardware three to four to five. Um, I mean, there's a potentially interesting play um, where when cars are not in use in the future, that the in-car computer um, can do generalized uh, AI tasks, can, can run a sort of, you know, GPT-4 or 3 or something like that. Um, you know, if you've got tens of millions of vehicles out there, uh, even in a robo-taxi scenario where they're in heavy use, maybe they're used 50 out of 168 hours. That still leaves, you know, well over 100 hours of time available, of, of, of compute hours. It, it, like, it's possible um, with the right architectural decisions that Tesla may in the future have more com compute than everyone else combined. Maybe. Uh, it, this isn't a very good answer. Like Tesla went hard on Dojo and about how it was going to be so advanced and better than anything that they're using. So it's interesting that their messaging has changed on that a little bit. And that might be because version 12 uses neural nets and only uses 12,000 lines of code or blah, 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 whatever it is. Things have could possibly change where it doesn't make sense for them to do Dojo anymore. And we shouldn't shame them for that. They, they should pick the best option. And right now, if running them side by side is the best option, then great. And if Dojo goes away, then okay, it's not the end of the world. Uh, the thing with like uh, using the cars to, you know, run AI queries, I'd rather my bandwidth not be used for that. Thank you very much. Um, maybe if you paid me, I'd consider it. But beyond that, I I, I don't know. <laughs> It seems far-fetched. This was, this was not a good answer. And uh, because it's not a good answer, it just kind of leads me to believe that 
whatever they're doing on that side of Tesla, the full self-driving, the testing side, uh, they're having a hard time. That's what it seems like to me. They're just having a hard time getting this stuff up and going. And they should have a hard time. This is not easy. And we shouldn't, like, bash them because they're not where they said they're. Well, let's put it this way. We shouldn't bash them because they haven't succeeded. They should be held accountable for, or Elon should, more specifically, for the promises made and promises broken part of things. But other than that, like, this is hard. This, uh, this is hard. I often use the example of putting together something from Ikea as, uh, you know, that's really hard. And you often have parts left over that you shouldn't have left over. And, you know, car companies are building a whole car. Though that same thing kind of applies to software. But there could be an infinite number of issues with when, when you're doing software development. And it's it can be a lot harder to find where those problems go awry. So I am not a developer, but I have many friends who are developers, and I love, in the same way that I love football, I love talking about programming with people. I don't understand a lot of it, but I love learning about it. And in, in, that, in that way, um, I know a little bit about software. I know a little bit, it's more, I should say this, I know a little bit more about what developers have to go through to solve hard problems. And my best friend in the entire world, he is a programmer. Uh, We've been friends since we were 16 years old. And uh, that's uh, 33 years now. And uh, listening to this guy talk, he he works for a very uh, popular company. And hearing him talk about problems that need to be solved on a regular basis is fascinating to me. So this is hard, is what I'm trying to say. Okie doke, that is it for this Q4 2023 earnings call for the company that is known as Tesla. I want to thank you all for joining me. I had a lot of fun. I hope you had a lot of fun. And I hope you learned a little bit along the way. Uh, if you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. You can find me on Twitter at 918digital. It's looking like we're going to have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show, so... Uh, be prepared for that. Uh, the reason why we split them into three different shows is because they can be shorter. And if you want to skip them, you can skip them. That's okay with me. It, it doesn't bother me. Just download it, please, so I get the download. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you in a few days. Okay. Uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for all of your questions. And uh, we'll speak to you again in three months. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.